This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Don't get sacked by the high cost of health care. Make Farm Bureau Health Plans your first line of protection. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. We're glad to have you with us on Friday, September the 18th. Amy Wells, as always, alongside me, Mike Keith. Glad you're here for the OTP, Miss Wells. Good to be here, Mike. All right. Jim Wyatt from TennesseeTitans.com, senior writer, editor, just off the practice field, just off the press conferences. How are you, Jim? I'm doing great. Hope everybody's doing well today on this Friday. Beautiful Friday in Nashville. Got the fall feel to it. It sure does. Sunday going to have a fall feel. Coach Dave McGinnis from Titans Radio. And that's kind of exciting considering that one year ago we played Indianapolis in the hottest game ever at Nissan Stadium. And this weekend, 20 degrees cooler, maybe even more. I remember that game last year. That was warm. This weather right now, perfect. What's not perfect, Jim Wyatt, is the announcement this afternoon that wide receiver A.J. Brown is out for this game. Were you surprised that Mike Vrabel went ahead and said that number 11 won't play Sunday against the Jags? Well, I mean, usually you do, as, as Coach Mike knows. I mean, any competitive advantage you can get, coaches usually take it. And a lot of times he is a little bit more hesitant to declare a guy out, but he gave it up. I don't think any of us were surprised by that announcement based on what we've seen on in practice. But he's officially been ruled out, which obviously means, you know, Corey Davis needs to rise to the occasion again, along with a lot of other guys. Darrington Evans, another guy who's officially out right out of the gate with the Friday injury report. Dave McGinnis, from a coach's standpoint, why say now? You know what? Because it's, it, it, he probably, you know, really wasn't worried that much about it right now. Uh, the other guys, he was going to have to activate some other guys anyway. They're going to have to step up. And so, I mean, really at this point, I mean, just go ahead and put it out there. And, and the other guys know they've got to step up and play. If you're active – in the National Football League, you've got to be able to play, and that's what's got to happen for us on Sunday. In some ways, Coach Mack, it, it almost is a message to those guys. Hey, look, everybody knows now it's on you fellas. I think that's a good point, Mike. Uh, that's a very good point, and that might, might have been some of his motivation to do that. But uh, the reality of the National Football League is this. The chance for you being injured as a National Football League player sometimes during the 17-week season is 100%. And so that's why you have a number of people on the squad. They need to step up and play. Amy Wells, the news about Darrington Evans not being available for a second straight game should not be totally overlooked. This was a player we were very impressed with early in camp. Titans would love to have him back to be able to spell Derrick Henry. Again, not available this week. Yeah, Titans fans should be excited about him returning to the field at some point because he had a great camp and he was really kind of on his way. But I think you want him healthy instead of partially healthy. There's a long season ahead of us. We've, it's week two. We've got a long way to go here. So you want to get people as healthy as possible. And if he's close, give him another minute. Let him be. Get him back to the field at 100%. Steven Goskowski will be kicking for the Titans again on Sunday, Dave McGinnis. From a head coach's standpoint, are you reluctant to send him out there? Does it change your strategy? Or do you look for an opportunity, 
maybe to get him out there early in the game and make a kick? How do you approach as the head coach? You approach it just like you would in any other ball game with your kicker. Make a football decision and send him out there. I mean, he's got enough of a history of being successful. You know, last week on Monday night, that was a complete uh, aberration of what he has done throughout a storied career. I'd put him out there at any time, at any moment, right from the jump, Mike. Jim White, he impressed everybody with the way he handled everything post-game in Denver. He did, and, it's, and I, I didn't see that coming. I mean, based on what, what we had seen in practices, he looked good. I watched him in the warm-ups, and he was kicking them from 50 yards out. Uh, it, but somewhere along the course of that game, he just kind of, you know, lost his confidence, admitted himself that things kind of snowballed on him. You know, he, he just didn't look himself. Ended up, you know, as we know now, he took a sock off his right foot just because it gave him a familiar feel from the offseason when he prepared, and he made the final kick. And then he stood. I mean, you don't have to, I guess, make yourself available post-game. And I think in a locker room in a normal year, he would have been standing in front of his locker to answer these questions. And with the Zoom availabilities, he sat there and answered one question after the other about what a bad night he had and said, hey, this is on me. I was embarrassed. You know, I'm glad my teammates bailed me out. I didn't deserve to get a chance to win this game and be considered a hero on a night when I missed three kicks and an extra point. So he handled it perfectly. And now uh, I, I just don't think you want to play that game of going back and forth with a field goal kicker or, or putting any doubt in any further doubt in Stephen Gakowski's mind. I think he's got to get out there, as Coach Mack said, and kick and just work himself through it because this is a guy who's done it for so long, for so well. Coach Mack, you made it clear to us, though, the block kick was not his fault. Yeah, I didn't think it was a low kick at all. I thought they had a little bit of, a little bit of penetration. And, again, knowing how the battery and the operation works, uh, a kicker is always going to take it upon himself. He really is because he is going to he's going to stand behind his guys. But I thought that uh, even if it was a little bit the trajectory low, they had a little bit of penetration too. All right, so let's go through this list. I'm going to give you all a crack at this. Most surprising from week one to you, Amy Wells. Overall penalties per game down nearly seven from slightly over 19 to slightly over 12. That's one. Number two, holding penalties from 82 to 18 from last year to this year. So that's a major drop-off. Or number three, field goals made down 13% to 71.6%, one of the lowest in any sort of memory. Which of those stats surprises you the most about week one league-wide? Um, I think I'm going to say the first one, just overall penalties being down a little bit. I think that that is uh, surprising to me because everybody's so rusty. You know, I mean, even after our game, everybody talked about, oh, the rust. We had so much rust to knock off. And uh, so the fact that I don't know if that is something you attribute more to officials or more to people just really playing with a sound technique. But I think that's surprising to me because I assume there would be a lot of flags thrown in these first couple of games while everyone kind of gets their feet under them again. Jim? I'm going to say the holding penalty count so low specifically. Uh, and what scares me about that is when they're that low, there's always going to be a correction, I think. So this weekend, I would expect some of the, you know, after hearing from some of the people on the defensive side of the ball, 
uh, about how few penalties there were from a holding standpoint that they will go up, I say, double this weekend. Coach Mack? We'll go with the field goal percentage because, you know, basically, you know, your field goal uh, people, even without preseason, I mean, they're basically working a three-man battery unit, you know, as far as practice and, and, and being able to, to kick. That surprises me a little bit there. Of course, I know that Goskowski's misses didn't help the average, but that surprises me a little, Mike. I mean, 72% when you consider that the NFL average was 83 84% makes – and, and the numbers of makes have gone down in recent years. Do you attribute some of this to the mental part of the longer extra point and kickers, and this has been a theory, kickers feel more stressed overall since the extra point is no longer automatic. Do you buy that? Well, the, the extra point is not automatic, and I can, I, can sense, I can sense a little bit of that. Now, as far as the, as the field goal percentage, you know, I, I don't know what to attribute that to, but if it's league-wide, as you said, and that's a pretty good percentage drop, Mike, that you just pointed out, that surprises me some. Can I ask a question about kicker stress levels? Sure. Like, who is measuring this? Who's measuring how stressed kickers are across the league? Are we are we measuring the stress of all positions, or are we Dr. just worried Phil? about are we just worried about the mental health of our kickers out no, there? No, I'm like I, you know what's stressful having a three hundred pound guy run at your face. I know that listen, is stressful. I'm just pointing out. What I know I know that you don't buy this, obviously, but I'm saying you've you've had kickers grow much more accurate to the point that they're almost automatic. That's the way it had gone. So then they changed the extra point. And now all of a sudden, not only have extra point percentages dropped in terms of accuracy by 5%, but field goals have started to drop again. And so, I mean, the goalposts haven't narrowed. The hash marks haven't changed. There is, there's, not, there's not the removal of a T. But, I mean, they tend to be pretty stressed individuals in terms of – I mean, they are – they are normally a little more, what's the right word, uh, affected than a guy who plays guard. Would you not agree with that? I mean, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's a very mental part of the game. But, like, the whole game is stressful. I'm not interested in one individual person's stress level. Okay. Take you a bubble bath, figure it out. Okay. Kick it well, through the uprights. Again, just throwing it out there with a theory – uh, Coach Mack, can you help me out here any at all? Because I'm not doing well. When, when, when Amy Wells is, digs into something like that, I can't help you. And, uh, you know, Thank once, you, Coach. Once she threw the bubble bath in there, I'm done. All right. Jim Wyatt, anything you'd like to get in on with this? Would you like to be a part of this at all? I think that's a drop-the-mic moment for Amy Wells. I think we just got to let her have it. All right. So Amy Wells does not buy that theory. No, I just maybe. I mean, it's a solid I didn't theory. Make it maybe up, I just Amy. don't care. <laughs> I did not. I think everybody make it is up. stressed. We need to start taking care of everybody's mental health out on the field. Then, not just kickers. Amy, wow. how's your mental health in the moat? So good, so good. She loves the moat. Now, do this. Explain to the OT people exactly what the moat is, because they may not have been listening to Titans Radio because it was so late Monday night. I get that. So the moat is the walkway in front of the first row of seats in the stadium. 
So they have a tarp over those first eight rows, but the walkway in front of said tarp is free for people like me to roam freely. I love the moat. I may never leave. Like anybody who has a first row seat in 2020, I might be standing, or 2021, I might be standing in front of you because I love it up there. I can see so much better because there aren't tall humans standing in front of me. Visually, I, I, the whole kingdom is something I can see all of a sudden. I can see the entire field. The whole thing about being on the sidelines is vastly overrated from a viewing standpoint. Agree? Agree. It is cool one time for about a quarter to be right. on the sidelines of a football game. You're in it. You can hear everything. You can smell everything. It feels very three-dimensional. Like you are there for it. But then you realize you can't actually see the football game. You have no idea what's going on. And you're watching it on the Jumbotron because you can't see the actual, like you just don't have the best vantage point. You really can't see anything. You know, Jim, it's funny because some radio teams use their sideline reporter as another analyst. And so many times they'll throw, they'll go, let's go down to Charlie down there. And Charlie, tell us what happened on that play. Charlie's like, you know, Bob, uh, Fred, whatever. I really have no clue because (laughs) I couldn't see. see, Yeah, you can't see it. It, it, it's, It's why Coach Mack says when he coached, he liked to be in the booth. Worst seat in the house. The worst seat in the house. <laughs> Amy was in a great spot on uh, on Monday night. I watched saw with my binoculars. I was checking the sidelines many times. There was one person that was standing behind the bench right in front of the tarp, and it was Amy Wells. She had the whole section, the whole side to herself, it seemed like, and uh, I don't blame her for liking that. Now, um, We'll see how that is. Obviously, uh, if fans start coming back, I wonder what they're going to do with the moat. Uh, I guess it's still going to be a thing all season, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's where they're putting sideline reporters all season long because they're still going to have those eight rows closed off. So there's separation, of course, for fans from the team to keep them safe. There's separation for me from the team and for me from the fans. So everybody is distanced enough that we can all be safe and still do our jobs and enjoy the game respectively. It was nice in Denver because it was also, I mean, there's no fans there. So it's rather quiet, which is eerie during a football game. And it's strange, but I could still hear what was going on on the sidelines. So I still had the ability to kind of know what the mood was like for the team and kind of get those vibes. I was afraid I was going to be a little too far away to be able to kind of pick up how people are feeling about certain things. So really you mean like the kicker. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think people from space knew that the kicker wasn't having fun. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You, you didn't need to be close to know that, but I really did enjoy kind of being up higher. There are cup holders up there. So I could like put my drink down. I could write on the side. It was like, I had a little office. I mean, the accommodations in the moat are five star. I loved it. What do we think the over under is for the down in fronts you're going to hear once fans back or do you think you're far enough down that you won't be blocking anyone's view jim white i have a headset on i will never hear that (laughs) no clue nope can't hear you so sorry working on the radio (laughs) you know what you're gonna have in nissan stadium this sunday though is you're gonna have a cutout there is an amy wells cutout there is a jim white cutout there is coach mac bobblehead cutout 
<laughs> and there's actually even a cutout of me. Where are the cutouts in the stadium? Are they in the end zones? They're in the end zones, yep. Are we on the front row of the end zone? Uh, unclear. I haven't entirely gone over and scoped us out. I wanted to be surprised. I know the four of us are together, and anyone who sees the cutouts will be able to find us because, I mean, Coach Mack, of course, is a bobblehead. Jim Wyatt looks like he's feverishly working, and Mike Keith is in the greatest photograph, I think, that has ever been taken of him. <laughs> so they will all be proudly displayed. You can't miss them. You really can't. And how long did it take you to pick out your photo? Uh, about 35 seconds. You lie. No, because I've used it on Instagram like five times. Okay. So, so it was just at the top of the heap. Jim Wyatt, are you very excited about your cutout in the stadium? Will you I be pictured with it. your cutout? <laughs> they ought to put Amy with her, her cutout in the moat with her, standing Give her a little bit of company. I think that would be well done. But I'm looking forward to seeing all the cutouts. I've seen a couple. I really need one thing. Uh, I know some of the former players are going to be featured in the cutout, including because uh, someone sent me a picture uh, of it the other day. Josh Evans, the former Titan, who yeah, is going to have a cutout there along with Tim Shaw, and I know Chris Johnson is in that group, and I've seen an Eddie George cutout. So. Uh, they're going to be featured in addition to uh, – I've seen a couple others listed as cutouts that will include Tim McGraw, Clay Walker, Old Dominion, Lindsey L., Ray Lynn, Chase Rice, Brantley Gilbert, uh, among the country music stars, and I think some more surprises in there. I thought that I saw Justin Timberlake's cutout behind me, and I was going to ask to have my cutout move next to his. Um, but it turns out that wasn't the case. We do have a Titans fan that looks very similar to Justin Timberlake. So if you're listening to the OTP, shout out. I almost asked to have my cutout placed by yours. Amy, that hurts my feelings because you're next to my bobblehead. I know, and, uh, but I also have the bobblehead right here on my desk. So, Coach Mack, <laughs> I'm just wondering, uh, you know, just myself, <laughs> uh, as I show the bobblehead here on the OTP and you can't see it because this is audio only. Um, are you satisfied that you went ahead with the bobblehead for your cutout or are you now regretting that you didn't have a photo? No, I presented, I presented a photo and a bobblehead and the people in charge were very excited about putting the bobblehead in there and I'm more than fine with it. I am more than fine with it. I'm just very proud to be included in the stadium this week. There we go. We're going to be all year, I'm told. You're a permanent fixture. They're saying the cutouts are going to be there all year. I'm all for that. I like that so much. And then at the end of the year, yeah, if they're not there for the playoffs, if they're there for the playoffs, I'm fine too. But when we're completely done with them, I'm going to get it and put it in my front yard. <laughs> I thought you had already auctioned it off for charity. <laughs> We might do that. They can come pick it up in the front yard. <laughs> my neighbor wants to put mine in their garden. Oh, man. Scare off the deer. Scare <laughs> off the crows. Yes. All right. So let's talk about this week's opponent, Jacksonville. Now, I know it's been a very short week with us getting back at midday on Tuesday. Who in this group has had a chance to watch the Jacksonville-Indianapolis game? I have. I've watched, I've watched I have it. Not. Okay. Coach Mack, so let me, let me kind of hit you with a couple right off the bat. Sure. 
Indianapolis had every chance to win this ball game, had every chance to take advantage, had a chance to go up 10 nothing early, went on fourth and goal at the one, didn't make it, uh, had a couple of bad interceptions, missed 30-yard field goal. And this group in Jacksonville won a game in a way that I think they would have not won a game over the last three years. Would you agree? I agree with that 100% because, you know, and again, stats are the most overrated thing in football, especially yardage. But you look at the yardage and you, and you look at everything, possessions, anything, it all would point to an Indianapolis victory. But the huge thing, and you pointed it out, all of us that have done this, our listeners, you know, the, the, the great OTP listeners, our, our NFL fans, they understand there's a good Phillip Rivers, there's a bad Phillip Rivers. Has been his whole career. That was bad Phillip Rivers up there. Three very untimely interceptions, and they weren't able to, co- to complete some drives. Uh, yes, and I agree with what you're saying, too. And it looked to me like a little bit, Mike, that Indianapolis went in there and they took Jacksonville a little bit lightly also because that rookie running back jumped up on them very, very quick. Uh, and Gardner Minshew, and I know we'll talk about this. This will probably be some of your other questions. But he diced them up and didn't throw the ball very far down the field. Jacksonville played smart. Absolutely they did. I mean, they, they, they played exactly what they, they were trying to do. And here's what they else they did. It, getting a turnover is only half of the battle. Capitalizing on turnovers is finishing it. They capitalized on their turnovers. Jim, Garner Menchu is 7-6 and six as an NFL starter. He beat the Titans last year, and he was in control of that game much more than Marcus Mariota was. What do you like about Garner Menchu? I just think you know, his, his, his emotion and his energy are just contagious. I mean, sometimes guys get sick of seeing a guy jump around the sidelines and getting excited and being animated. I happen to like seeing that and I think it inspires teammates and I, you know it's fun to watch him play uh, but I think when I look at Jacksonville you know it looks like a, you know it's a young team that's got everybody energized and is pulling in the same direction and, you know obviously they had to make some tough decisions uh, they got rid of some players some maybe guys who were pulling other people around them down uh, some attitudes that had been on that team in years past, and now they've got a young team. And everybody seems like they've bought in. I, I think when I watched what they did, it's a team that just kept falling behind but kept coming back and kept responding. And I think a lot of that's because Minshew uh, gives them, you know, some confidence, a little bit of a swagger, and the Titans have got to figure out a way to kind of quash that early on Sunday. Mike, let me say this uh, to that point. I don't think those were hard decisions for them to make. Those people did not want to be there. You know, they did not want to be there. And sometimes you've got to eradicate that regardless of the ability, because if, if, if you're prostituting the team thing to ability, a lot of times you end up in big trouble. And I think the point being is those, that team played like they were together. That team last year played like they were burdened with a lot of issues other than between the lines on the field. Well, I think we also have to think about the Jags had a lot of bad pub over the offseason. They did not have a ton of fun when it came to different comments that were made, different things that came out, yada, 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 all the big headlines that we heard about the Jags over the offseason. When it comes to football, it's a completely different story. That 
doesn't necessarily have any bearing on what type of team you're going to see on the field. And I think to Jim's point, because everybody on that team has bought in, they all seem to be pulling in the same direction, working for the same cause, playing more like selfless football than we've seen out of them in previous years. I think that that negates a lot of the stuff that is making teams overlook them, if that makes sense. It does. And 13 of the 48 players they had suited up on Sunday were rookies. So they had 13 rookies play in the ball game. You know, part of the way to get rid of attitudes is get younger because you bring in the young guys, they don't know any different. And, you know, Chason's excited, Chenault's excited, C.J. Henderson, Coach Mack. I mean, how many times did Mike Vrabel mention the cornerback out of Florida, C.J. Henderson, this week? Well, he did for a reason. I mean, that guy – and he had an interception, but the interception was not his best play. The three pass breakups and the tackles he made were his best play. You remember doing the draft, Mike, we talked a lot about whether we thought in our minds, in our evaluations, whether he or, or, or Akuda out of Ohio State were 1-2 or 2-1. This guy's a really good football player, and his first outing was legit. Jim, 2-0. and oh, What an opportunity for the Tennessee Titans. What a chance here. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe it's only happened two other times since the team has been the Titans. I mean, the Super Bowl season obviously was one of them. The other season was 2008 when the Titans started 10-0. and oh. So to have a chance to get to 2-0, and oh, to knock off a team in your division – uh, you know, with the schedule that's coming up, yeah, it needs to happen. And this is a game that the Titans are going into with some injuries. Uh, we'll have to overcome that. But uh, uh, I expect the team to show up ready to play. And uh, it's had some success against Jacksonville in years past here at Nissan Stadium and need to find a way to keep that trend going. Coach Mack, 2-0, and 2-0 oh, and oh in the conference. I mean, if you lose that game Monday night – you're kicking yourself in December. And then you've got a you've got a home game against a division rival in September. I mean, this is this is one that you've got circled probably a little more than they do. The Jags have the game circled at their place later in the year, but you gotta hold serve at home whether you have fans or not. Not if you're gonna be a really good team. No, absolutely. And, and we've talked about it as an organization, you know, all, all summer. I mean, you, if you want a home, if you want a home game in the playoffs and we're way away from the playoffs right now, you need to win your division. This is a division game at home early in the season. I mean, this is a game you would love to be able to put in your pocket. You're going to have to work for it though. And we talk about success against Jacksonville in the past, just for your point, Mike, this is a new Jacksonville team. And I, I will say this, after having been a long-time coach in this league, too, and having been a head coach, Doug Marone is probably coaching a little freer than he has been without Tom Coughlin looking over his shoulder. Uh, let me just interject that, too. And Dave Caldwell's back picking the players again. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think you've got a different vibe down there. And when you look at it, I mean, it looks like a different vibe. And your point is well taken. They've got new blood in there, and they've got some people. They believe in this quarterback. I mean, they believe in this quarterback. He, he's what you call a dealer. I mean, he is a dealer because he deals that ball in a lot of different directions. And, again, you brought this up, Mike, and I brought this – and I watched this twice and was looking – that ball is coming out so much quicker, and you had a tremendous point 
And Jay Gruden has always been like this since he's been in this league. And I think it goes back to not only the type of offense that he runs, it goes back to what you said is to the arena league, you know, because that you have to get the ball out quick then. And that was the point that you made on one of the 104.5 The Zone shows. And it's a very valid point. Well, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, the kid's a good player. I, I think, Jim, all the talk about them tanking is just ridiculous. I, I think it is, it is crazy talk to think that that's what Jacksonville is doing. Because, listen, if they go 1-15, the coach and the general manager aren't going to make it. Why would they tank? Why, why would they do that to themselves? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, tanking is, you know, people talk about that every year, and it's just not a thing. I mean, you've got coaches coaching for their jobs. You've got players who are putting, you know, putting themselves on tape to try to show themselves to not only their teammates, but other people around the league. Does you know, no, no, no one tanks in the NFL. Some teams are just better than others. Some teams just aren't good enough to win, but Every team is is going out to win every Sunday, and uh, I think you know those guys. I'm sure motivated by talk of that. And now, <laughs> kind of people are kidding about the Colts tanking after losing. Now that's not happening either. But uh, that's just not the way it works in the league. Just think about think about the logic behind tanking. You you mentioned coaches and and, and front office people. Think about a player. If you're a player and you're you're playing as if you're tanking, you think that new staff is going to want to keep you when they come in? Makes no sense. Not that's not the National Football League. I'm just telling you that. No, and people don't make thirty million dollars a year in most cases, like a baseball player does or an NBA player does, and your shelf life is so much shorter. I mean, what you're putting on tape is trying to keep you in the league to make as much money as you can for as long as you can. It just makes no sense. I, I've, I've never – I was watching a show recently, and they were discussing it like it were a thing, and I'm like, buddy, I, I'm no expert on anything, but I can tell you this, that doesn't happen. When we stunk it up, and we did for a couple years, Jim, you were covering the team. Amy, you were around the team. They weren't tanking. They were trying to win. It wasn't on no, purpose. No, gosh, no. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was the, the 2004 season. The Titans go into that finale. You know, if you lose, you're the number two pick in the draft. Yeah. By beating the Lions that day, end up turning out to be a, a number six pick, if I'm not mistaken. And Got Pac-Man Jones. Yeah, it worked out great. <laughs> but, yeah, you think that? Taking that that day, I mean, I think it was Brad Castle, you know, one of Coach Mack's favorites that made a key interception late in that game. Is my memory right on that, Coach Mack? He had 19 tackles in that game. Okay. He had 19 tackles in that game, and Keith Bullock scored a touchdown, took the ball away from the quarterback. So that Titans team wasn't tanking, and, and that's, they really didn't have anything to play for that day, but uh, but pulled out a win that, that cost him a draft spot, and and a regrettable draft pick, but uh, it's still the people that were there that day were excited and uh, that they ended the season and showed a lot of pride in doing so. Yeah. Although, if any teams are planning on tanking just going forward, beating the Colts first is fine. Like, beat the Colts, then you can tank. That's fine. <laughs> do whatever you need to do. Just beat the Colts or any AFC division rival for me. Amy, Amy, this is your show today. I I bow before you. I I mean, you are you are on fire. I mean, it's just 
Amy Will is crushing this today. She is. I mean, it is just uh, (laughs) – this is like a Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal performance on the NBA pregame show. I mean, this is phenomenal. I mean, the Colts don't think the Jags are tanking. And I think that if they would like to start, this feels like a good It would be a good time, yeah. And uh, thank you for beating the Colts. See you later. Enjoy your sinking. I think all of these great insights and all of this – these. attitudes that you have today come from the cap you're wearing that says fan of the team (laughs) you know i'm just i'm just trying to keep it i like it what is it the youth say keeping it 100 that's what i used to say keeping it real yeah but now there's emojis mike and so we talk about our emojis i'm keeping it 100 you are keeping you're keeping it 110 That's not an emoji okay. either. This right. is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. They're keeping it 100 as they get you the home field advantage with health care coverage from Farm Bureau Health Plans. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. We're on the air at 11 a.m. Central on Titans Radio with Titans Countdown. Coach Dave McGinnis will be there. Amy Wells will be in the moat. Jim Wyatt will be covering it for TennesseeTitans.com. Amy and I have actually um, a live look-in. Now, tell everybody where they watch the live look-in, Amy Wells, and, and what time will we do that? Well, we do it approximately 90 minutes before kickoff, if you want to do that math. And we picked that time because that's when the inactives are typically released. So we want to give you the most up-to-date information, including the people who are not playing that day. So you can catch us on TennesseeTitans.com. We are on the Tennessee Titans Facebook account, if you would like to check us out there. Uh, Titans Twitter, I believe we are also there. So check us out on all of those places. We will have up-to-the-minute information. I guess we're on the Titans we're app We're on the as app. Well. I love the app. We're everywhere. Yeah, we're big on applications yes, here. Yes, I'm a big app guy. On the Tennessee Titans. Um, but yeah, the live looking 90 minutes before kickoff, before every single game, home and away. And Mike Keith and I will run through all the latest updates and information so that you are ready to go. By all right, kickoff. so Amy, uh, any final thoughts since this has been your edition of the OTP today? Anything you would like to leave the OT people with as we depart? Well, I was just thinking it's weird when you say keeping it 100. Uh, well, so that's, maybe do that, do that less. less. Okay. Um, other than that, I'm excited about this game. I'm excited to be back in Nissan Stadium. We'll miss fans, but it'll be fun to see your cardboard faces. Coach Mack, final thoughts. Yeah, I mean, this is a big game. And th- this is really a big game for both teams, you know, because we expected to be here at 1-0. I'm not sure Jacksonville, you know, did early on, but they sure played like they wanted to be. This is an AFC South Division game. Big game. Can't wait to broadcast it with you. All right. Jim Wyatt, final thoughts. Well, final thoughts just to keep with the theme of the, what the young kids are saying these days. I'm looking forward to pulling up to Nissan Stadium. I'm whip. I'm going to keep a 100 all game, and I think it's going to be lit, even if there won't be fans in the stands. It's going to be lit. Yes, it will be. <laughs> Jim Wyatt wins. <laughs> And you can't tell me that it doesn't sound stranger him saying that stuff. <laughs> no, it sounds really good when Jim says it. <laughs> wow, she is down on me, man. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. For Jim White of TennesseeTitans.com, for Titans Radio's Dave McGinnis, and for the on-fire Amy Wells, Mike Keith says thanks for joining us for the O. 
T. Peace.